We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 420. Hey, 420, Scott. <laughs> yes. I have a, a couple people already started making those jokes on Twitter when I tweeted out that the next one is 420. Nice. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, I got some, uh, you know, little, I got some little taffies hidden around, hidden away somewhere. So maybe I'll do you? bust one out. Yeah, I do. For a rainy day or, you know, a quarantine or something. Who knows? So do I, actually. I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not an active gummy guy, but you know what? Are you uh, Why not? Are you a gummy guy or are you a, like you don't have to get too much in detail. Are you a person who would rather smoke it or ingest it? Yeah, to, I, to tell you the truth, I've never I've never been a like a fan of smoking it because it one I just didn't like I hate it. I hate cotton mouth. I would get very paranoid in college mm. when I would they would uh, cuz a lot of my friends in my fraternity house these guys were all all about it and uh, I mean the of the 6 foot variety and it would just knock me on my ass. So I always just, I was more of a, you know, I, I, I will tip the, I will drink a beer or 20 <laughs> before I do any of, uh, before I smoke any, smoke anything or anything like that. But um, gummies and things like that, those I did, I did uh, partake in occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. So day TB, I don't know what day it is. It's Sunday today. We're recording on Sunday. Yeah, but it feels like a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Friday because be. no no days are different at this point. I'm I've started to go legitimately crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Well, I'm glad you're doing these history shows to keep you relatively sane. The the one on Friday with uh, St about Steinbrenner was extremely good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Yes, if you guys have not checked out those episodes for whatever reason, definitely do so. On Friday, so episode 419 was How George Steinbrenner Bought the Yankees. It's about a 25-minute episode. Uh, and then the week before that, I don't remember the number, but it came out on Friday, was a history of MLB shortened seasons. And what I basically do is go, th I, I read a few articles, I do some research, I find some good audio clips, try and educate myself on the topic. Like, not too crazy. Like, I'm not a historian. I'm not pretending to be a baseball historian here. No, just a but professor. You're going to get enough, you're going to get enough information out of the 25-minute episode where then you can go tell someone, hey, did you know this happened? Yeah. And, and I think it's basically what the it's, point is. It's interesting because... You know, people think that they know what happened in history and, and because they, you know, they heard or they thought they heard or they just thought they knew things. But then when you start diving deeper into some of these rabbit holes, you realize that you actually don't fully understand what was going on and kind of like the context of certain things or, you know, what the feelings were at that time. Um, you know, we've we've talked about this at length about how things will get remembered or, you know, if, if like this year, if a World Series ends up happening in some capacity, will it be remembered as, as a, uh, you know, a true world series championship? And I, and I think time will change all of that. I mean, I think time definitely makes a huge difference on how people reflect on things or how they remember things. And even, even guys like Steinbrenner, I think, you know, um, when you celebrate a legacy after somebody is gone, a lot of the, a lot of the underlying things that happened in their life or in their career start to fade away a little bit and you start focusing on the very positive things. Um, but yeah, there's, a, there's, a, bunch, that there's at, a whole bunch of stuff that goes on. It's uh, it's interesting. I mentioned that at the beginning of that episode that, especially towards the end of Steinbrenner's life, but really since the 90s, teams won a bunch of championships and then into the 2000s as Steinbrenner stepped back a little bit. Nothing but love for the boss. Yeah, Everyone well, I mean, had. winning winning cures That's, everything. Of course. So you don't, have, you don't have that run in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, then... You know, we could be talking about a very, very different story uh, regarding George Steinbrenner and his family. The story of how he basically went from minority owner figurehead to majority owner of the Yankees. I had no clue about that story and how it went down. Yeah. Does it change your opinion of him at all? Not really. Because, I mean, I knew that there were, I knew that he was a sly type of uh, businessman and that he got to places in, in sometimes... Uh, non-conforming ways <laughs> you know interesting ways he, he would get his he would get to the place that he needed to be however he needed to get there i, I yeah. did know that about him so strong arm his way to the, to the yeah top. so no, none of it surprised me like the details were i think new to me i i, I believe i have read i had read it in the past but it just kind of i forgot the about details it. i found to be interesting and in, and how it all went down and i i guess that maybe uh, uh, not to ruin the episode or anything like that but I can only imagine what was because what was written about in 1973 and then now what we know 40, 47 years later or whatever, however many years later it is, is different, right? No one yeah. knew what was going on in 1973 right, yeah, yeah. behind the scenes. So sure. you're going to think about it uh, differently. But yeah, go check out the episode. I have not decided on my topic for next Friday, but there will be another one. Um, so if you guys have ideas, tweet me. And uh, if you want to know about something. And, and I'm liking the... I'm liking finding out about things I didn't know because it's one thing to go back into 
2002 and find something. It's like, okay, I lived that. It, it's, I'm sure I could learn something, but at the same time, I like sort of going back to things that I wasn't even alive for. Yeah. I mean, if I went back into that time, I'd be like, oh man, you know, I don't remember any of this because I was, I was, but not remembering. And because if, if sometimes, sometimes if like they're not remembering, depending on where you are in life, basically it may as well not have even happened according to your memory. And that's, that's the case for some of the things for me. Yeah. (laughs) There's also admitted that my memory is God awful going back into the early 2000s, late nineties. Some things you want to, you don't want to remember. There's some bad things that happened. Yeah, maybe I don't want to start out bad memories. Maybe this will just put me into therapy. Who knows? Yeah, but the the highs and lows of the Steinbrenner tenureship are 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 pretty drastic, right? Oh, no doubt. Between and, and, world champion and suspended. Yeah, <laughs> like and he's also peaks and valleys. You know, extremely outspoken throughout the entire thing too. It's not like yeah. it's a quiet high and low. It's a very loud and boisterous high and low. You know complaining about the lows, you know, proclaiming about the highs and just telling the world about both. Um, he's an interesting guy, man. He's a very interesting guy. <clears throat> so go check out those episodes. Also check out the ALEs previews. We touched on all four other ALEs teams. Um, those episodes are all out. Go, go listen to them. Then they should be good for a while because for whenever we get baseball up and running again, but we were supposed to, this was supposed to be the first episode post opening day. Yeah, this this we would have been talking about probably a three game sweep in Baltimore. Probably that's that's the way we, uh, you know, we drew it up. At least we knew that they were going to go down there. We knew that Garrett Cole was going to come out and dominate. Um, I tweeted out like a hypothetical just, you know, coming out there, rolling through 19 people, Glaber hitting three bombs. Like that seems about right. Seems Seems about about right. Pick up where they left off at 17 and two last year. Yeah. Yeah. We would have all just, you know, who is that guy? Who is that guy? Who is that guy? You know, a lot of that when we're looking at the Orioles and they would have mowed, mowed them over and, you know, the season would have started off well, but that didn't happen. So I was thinking about what the opening day lineup would have looked like based on where the Yankees were in spring training when things came to a screeching halt. So Aaron Judge was dealing with an injury. John Carlos Stanton was dealing like was dealing with an injury. So assuming those things continued to progress, where would we have wound up on uh, March 26th, what was supposed to be opening day? I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind Cole was going to be the opening day starter, assuming he's healthy. But this is what I came up with based uh, for the lineup based on where things were. LeMahieu at second base leading off. Glaber at shortstop hitting second. And the reason he's hitting second is because I don't think Judge would have been ready, especially what we learned from his CT scan last week. He had a collapsed lung and, and all that stuff. They pretty much said he wasn't going to be ready anyway, yeah. So third, Gary Sanchez behind the dish. Voight, which, which could have been a stretch also could have been a stretch to get even get Gary in there that opening day lineup. Right. He was dealing with a little bit of a sore back and flu like symptoms, but he seems the shutdown happened right after that. And it seemed like he bounced back pretty quickly. Yeah. So I think he could have been ready, but yeah, you're right. Maybe that's that's in doubt. Voight clean up at first base and Duhar designated hitter batting fifth Gardner in left field batting sixth, Urshela at third, batting seventh, Clint Frazier in right field, batting eighth because of Judge, and Talkman in center field, batting ninth. So also no Stanton because I don't think he would have been ready either. Right. I have no confidence in Stanton returning from injuries if you have not gathered. <laughs> so I think the only difference that I would have put in there is uh, I would have 
shuffled the outfield a little differently. I actually would have had Gardner in center. I would have had Talkman in right and Frazier in left. Because I think that Frazier has to prove that he could play left field. And from what we've seen, it was his better position. So I think they, uh, they're, I think we'll, we'll probably, when, when this thing does happen, we'll see him more in left. And I think Talkman's good enough to play anywhere. Yeah, Talkman can play all three outfield positions. Gardner can obviously play left and center. Frazier can play the corners, even though he used to play center. Theoret- field, theoretically, I don't think, theoretically, Frazier can play the corners. Yeah, I don't think they would be brave enough to put him in center field. And if Andujar does get time in the outfield, he's only going to be playing left field. Right. So, correct. So, um, yeah, that's, I think, Gardy, uh, just be, you know, for... You know, for the look and feel of it, too, seems like the center fielder on opening day. Well, I feel like a press conference or a question that Boone would have been asked sometime around opening day once it came out that the, the Stanton and Judge were, were not going to start the season active is that our outfield alignment going in is – he would say something like, our outfield alignment is fluid. We might get Miggy out in left field one day this week, but, you know, want to just get him some reps first. Think, things of the, think quotes along those lines. Sounds about right. Yeah, it sounds yeah. very uh, Booney-ish. I think that's exactly what we would have seen. They're going to, you know, I, I'm i kind of glad that, that he did see some time before we got this whole thing shut down in left field because now it gives us that, gives us that little itch in our, in our brains or it gives us the little, uh, at least you could picture him out there now catching a fly ball because it's happened. So I'm and glad we saw is, that. The lineup is still very good, especially the first five to six in the order, depending on if you think Brett Gardner's th- almost 30 home run season was a fluke or not. But do you think Boone would have been brave enough to put Gardner? I don't want to use the word brave. You think Boone would have been a jackass enough to put him in the three spot like he, he did at the end of last year? Oh, probably. Yeah, he definitely would. I could have <laughs> got to break up those righties. Got to break up those righties up there, man. There's too many yeah. right-handed batters, especially against the, the nasty right-handed pitching of the Baltimore Orioles. So, you know, you got to make sure you, you mix it up in there to give them something to think about. <laughs> I mean, you're uh, saying even up to six, but you go down even. I mean, Frazier and is is definitely a guy. Uh, I'm I. You know, look. Whenever the hell we do get this thing going, I am interested to see how he progresses because if he can bounce back in the field and and, and be, you know, some kind of an average fielder, that's all he needs to be. Uh, I am excited to see him progress as a as an offensive player because I think he is dynamic uh, at the plate, and and I want to know how you know how this little like more simple simple simple. Uh, mechanic tweak that he has made without the you know the leg kick a little bit of a pivot just a little bit of a, a toe tap on the front um, I'm interested to see how he you know how that works with him getting his hands to the ball faster might not see it this shutdown might prevent him from ever starting the season on the major league roster it's possible because if Judge and Stanton are back then I think the rosters are going to be expanded though so I think that's, that's why a we'll... yeah and that's a good transition into some actual news updates we got so MLB and the Players Association agreed on some stuff. Woohoo! They uh, took long enough, I guess, or you know, maybe maybe it's a good thing that they can get on the same page for once during these hard times. But I think run. now's the time to do it because everybody, the the ultimate goal for these guys right now, which has never been more aligned, is to play baseball. Everybody wants to play right. baseball. They're, that's it. That's the only. That's one thing they can agree like, on. Bottom line: Let's get we got to play the baseball. Field. Yeah, and and yeah. there will be concessions on both on both sides. They understand that. Let's go. We, we, we this is how we have to do this. So yeah, I think because this will probably be the easiest negotiations. Even though it'll be the most radical, it'll be the easiest because they know what the situation is, which is kind of crazy. Because playing baseball translates to money in both of their pockets. Correct. 
So that, they can they can get on the same page for that. But what they said was the players in, in the league agreed that the 2020 season won't begin until a few things. First being there are no bans on mass gatherings that limit the ability to play in front of fans. Okay. But the caveat agreed to by the players in league is that they will consider playing games at neutral sites instead of home ballparks and will consider the feasibility of playing in empty stadiums and just how proper a solution it may be for both sides and especially fans. Those things don't make sense together. So I think what more what it's speaking to is that like there's there's no ban uh, by the CDC or something along those lines. So okay. maybe it's not uh, you know something that's that MLB wants to do immediately, but there's a ban, the ban has been released on the the uh, medical side. This is how I'm reading it at least. And so that and there's maybe no they ban. want to continue to be still want to be safe. Maybe there's a ban for like you know, however many X amount of people, but there isn't for a smaller group or whatever. And they're like, okay, that's good enough for us to get together as players and play, but not enough for all the people that want to sit in the stands and come back. What if there's a scenario where towns like Milwaukee, which has less population and doesn't have the same amount of outbreaks or those sorts of towns are, have bans lifted, but cities like New York still have bans. Would they play games in Milwaukee, but not in New York City? Yeah, it's an interesting. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work because they there's obviously you'd have to think about people traveling as well. There's right you know, now you have fan a fan base coming in. Are people from New York going to come in? And now now we're going to have another problem in Milwaukee. Like, I don't. Is know it an all or nothing got, thing? Is I got what no I guess I'm really asking. Are they only going to go back to playing business as usual? Meaning teams in their home ballparks with fans in the stands when all 30 teams can do that can't just have 25 of the 30 able to do that and then the Yankees and and the Mets and the Dodgers and these other teams in in more risky cities are just shit out of luck and have to play in their spring training facilities yeah I think it's going to be uh an MLB decision on that front and I think it's going to be well they should just follow the guidelines of extremely safe that they're gonna they're gonna weigh on the side of safety I think for the entire that that's why I'm very I will be very I honestly will be very surprised if we see full stadium fans again in stadiums this year. I, I really, I, I, it's hard for me to get to also my, think about, it's hard to get my mentality around the fact that where we are currently right now to all yeah. of a sudden in two months, we're going to have stadiums packed with 50,000 people. Like that doesn't seem like a realistic thing. Also from the standpoint of are people going to be willing to go to these stadiums? Yeah. Oh, they, they will willingly Dude, go. Yes, they will. They will pack. They will pack. I would go because I love baseball, but <laughs> they are they going to sell out 50,000 game after game after game? Like eventually I think people are going to be nervous about going and gathering in large groups. It's going to take a while. It's not going to just be, okay, everything's lifted. That's the thing. Life back that, to normal. No, you're right. I don't think the, the rules are going to look like that. I don't think like the, I think the CDC is probably the driving factor here, right? They're probably the driving force of like what telling everybody what they can and cannot do based on recommendations. And I think that because of that, we will kind of wait and see. But I think as soon as they're like, yeah, you're good, people are going to be like, all right. And there's going to be a freaking flood. A flood. Because so people other, are going to be so freaking anxious to get back out there. They're just like, out they, and doing something, something out of okay, your house, out of your apartment. Yeah, if they tell me it's okay, and they're, and I don't, and they're the, the ruling force, and I'm not, a, you know, what do I know? I'm going. That's what people are going to say, and that's what people are going to do, I think. And I think that's, the, the MLB knows that, so that's why the liabilities factor there, they got to be like, 
I don't know. I don't know how their mentality is of like all of a sudden we're opening it up to fifty thousand people in two months. Like I just I just don't see how we can get from where we are today. Two to months, that. no. But what about September? Like what about however four months from now? Maybe. I don't know. The other things they said were will resume when there are no travel restrictions, and then when medical ex- experts determine games will not pose a risk to health of teams and fans. That's the, that's the important one. The medical experts have to agree. So like what, all we all basically what we just talked about. Yeah. So uh, maybe so, never. Maybe. Yeah, maybe man. Never. I mean, like we we basically we basically need some uh, some medicine to come out, and, and for you know for, for the medical the, we need the medical professions who, who the chemists and all the people that are that are you know working on that side to come up with some kind of a vaccine or whatever it is treatment so that this thing is now controlled and until then i don't know what's happening and even then i don't even know what that looks like talking way out of my out of my my, my scape here this next one's an interesting point in a doomsday scenario of no season players will get a full year of service time this means guys like Mookie Betts, Bauer, Stroman, Real Muto, and others will still be free agents after the season. Yeah. So you're the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. You just traded for Mookie Betts. There is no season this year. Doesn't matter. He's still going to free agency. Yeah, Mookie Betts will never wear a Dodger uniform in the regular season. That's that's He's wild. Very pissed about that. Hell yeah. You could. I mean, I and then you look, if they you would, look back if, at that trade and that right. What do you do happening. about that? What do you do about traded players? I guess you don't. You just don't. I don't it's know. Just, Sorry, bad luck. Them's the breaks. Move on. Yeah, I mean, unless they address this, because I mean, if you look at it and there is no season, and he does become a free agent, then yeah, it completely changes the the, the deal. Uh, and the players that were given up should not Especially have been given because up there's other players in the deal that are not under those things. Like they also traded for David Price, who has a contract already. Right. Yeah. So the next time baseball starts, if it's 2021, David Price is going to be on the Dodgers, mm-hmm. but Mookie Betts might be signed with a different team. Right. Yeah, no, I don't know how they're going to handle that. Very, I mean, they've they've already talked about the service time. They've already talked about how the how it's going to affect the people, but they have not really gone into the scenarios of a trade or something like that. Well, you or, bet or, your ass those teams are going to want to get the best deal possible for them. The owners are not going to settle for that. Right, I agree. There's going to be there's definitely going to be some considerations about that whole thing. And I also agree. You can't just throw your arms up and like, well, especially on service time. Nine ninety nine percent of the time, I'm going to side with the with the players because i think they get screwed a lot of the times but in this case there's no doubt that this would screw the team mm-hmm. absolutely and uh you can and, already... and, and in fact it would help the red sox <laughs> yeah it would and you can all already see maybe some manipulation of service time some fudgery so the yankees optioned a few guys down to the minors michael king tario estrada to triple a and then debbie garcia to double a I have no idea if this is to fudge with service time or not. Of course it Trevor is. Trevor Bauer quote <laughs> Of course tweeted, it is. Yeah. Trevor Bauer quote tweeted something about Indian players being uh, optioned to AAA with gotta love service time manipulation. Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, you can't have all these guys on the roster anyway. Like, the, those – when you look at who the Yankees were, the, the Yankees players that got sent down. I mean, Michael King maybe, but Tyro Strada is definitely going to be in AAA starting the season and – Debbie Garcia, they got him down to double A, not triple A. That's probably just a roster thing. Just like it doesn't matter. Just trying to open up the roster spots and like yeah, where they're going to go. Literally. That's all that was. But it doesn't matter for service time whether you're spending right. time in triple A or single A. But um, but yeah, I mean they're not going to be on the team. So like this, this would have happened if the season started anyway. Yeah, I don't, I don't see this as manipulation. <clears throat> well, it could be for for some players. I mean, it could be. 
I'm talking about these particular guys on the Yankees. Yeah. They another, were going down no matter what. Another Yankees that could potentially be impacted is suspensions will not carry over from 2020 to 2021. So meaning that even though Domingo Herman has to reserve to still serve 63 games this season. If the season is shortened or there is no season, that suspension does not carry over to the next year, yeah. which I'm very surprised about. Um, well, I mean, if they if the shortened season, then he's pretty much out for the entire year at that point, right? So if there's fewer than 63 games, he's out for the whole year. But does, if does that mean that he... Uh, yeah, basically 63 games. So but if, it, there's, I mean, if, if, there's, like, if there is no season... yeah. He can play opening day 2021. Right. That's yeah. surprising. Yeah. I mean, or if there's 40 else games next year it as well. If he has, if there's 62 games next year, he, he never has to serve that 63rd game. Right. Yeah. I, you know, it is what it is, what it is. I guess they got to do it at some point. They got to make a decision on these guys and say that, Hey, this was something that was unforeseen. They're not playing. We can't just continue to carry this on yeah. uh, throughout. And the draft will still happen. We talked about maybe they're going to combine drafts, do a virtual draft. The, the draft will happen. They have not figured out the details yet. They might scale it back. There might, might be fewer rounds. And I found this quote from an agent. This is from a Baseball America article. Once again, here we go. The next generation of MLB stars who have had their entry path sacrificed without a seat at the table. It falls in line with decades-long tradition of owners putting a target on the unrepresented backs of amateurs and minor leaguers. It's, it's potentially a stain on the future collaboration of both parties because it means less money for, for, for fewer players. Yeah. I mean, they, look, they got to do something. There's something that has to happen with this, and I understand that it's a, it's a really... This is a big deal to a lot of people. Obviously, it affects people going into the draft. It affects... Um, you know, how they're getting paid. It affects that. It affects next year's guys who are supposed to come into the draft in 2021 because now they're going to be competing with even more people and that yep. money is going to be more of a competition. And when you're looking at the actual deal, the 2020 draft is going to be cut to no fewer than five rounds. So that's something they, they could still make adjustments up to 10 rounds, I think it is. Um, but the, and it's going to happen uh, as right now, the way they have it is uh, as as soon as June 10th, but possibly into July. When you're looking at that, and they're making those adjustments based on what's happening, and I think it has to, having to do with uh, just different different little you know, milestones or benchmarks that, that occur. But yeah, the money is a big deal because obviously there's no income coming in right now for the teams. They are paying the players uh, you know, a certain percentage or up until a certain date, but that money that they're going to send out to, to a lot of these draft picks, the allocated money that has to go out, is being limited. And I don't know, they had to make some concessions. That was part of it. That was part of the concession. I don't know how to make everybody happier. I don't think you can, uh, but this is really going to affect the, the guys who were, yeah, those mid round picks and next year it's going to affect everybody because now you have to decide whether you're taking that money. That's going to be less or you wait and go into the next pool with more competition. Well, there's also tied to the draft. I think is the reduction of overall minor league affiliated teams. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of trickling downhill. I mean, this is something that we've talked about how the that that ball is just going to keep rolling, man. It's going to keep rolling, and we don't know how far it's going to go. But there just cannot be a perfect scenario. It doesn't exist in what we're dealing with right now. And 
usually when that happens, when there are concessions, it's made and, and the people on towards the bottom or, you know, the ones that are not as uh, as important to the major league ready teams are going to probably feel it the most. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. You can bet if it's going to be rainy or sunny outside. Man, that is hilarious. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, join their website today and you get a 100% welcome bonus. They have up their offer. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Okay, I want to try something here with an interview that Rob Manfred did with Scott Van Pelt. It was like a 15-minute long interview, but we took a few clips from that, and we're going to play them, and then we're going to react to them. And the first one is Manfred talking about the number of games they can and want to play that is still reasonable for a season. Well, I I think we need to have um, a regular season uh, with a credible number of games. Um, I, I think we should have a postseason format that focuses on providing the most possible entertain, entertaining product uh, to our fans at a very, very difficult time in our history. And uh, overall, I think our goal is to play as many baseball games as we possibly can, given uh, the limitations uh, associated with the public health concerns. Is there a round number for reasonable? A hundred? I mean, what's, re- what's a reasonable number in your mind? Look, I, I'm, I think that um, the exact number uh, that we'll see as reasonable is going to depend on when we get to go ahead to play. Of course. Um, I don't have some absolute n- number in my mind um, that's a make or break. I think we have to evaluate the situation. I also think that we need to be creative in terms of what the schedule looks like, what the postseason format looks like. You know, obviously our fans love – um, a 162 game season in the postseason format that we have. Um, we're probably not going to be able to do that this year. I think that's clear. And it does give us an opportunity to do some different things, to experiment, and to make sure that um, we provide as many games as possible and as entertaining a product as possible. Look, I think that that nothing's off the table for us right now. Um, I I think we are open um, and we've had some really positive conversations with our Players Association about relaxing some of the rules that um, govern our schedule. Um, They're very focused um, on returning to play and playing as many games as possible. And when, when you have that kind of positive dialogue, it creates an opportunity um, to do things that are a little different. Um, you're not committed to them over the long term because this year is a unique circumstance. So some takeaways I had from this. I like the fact that he's open to being creative. They're going to try different things. They're going to experiment. That's what I've been saying for like the last two weeks is that's what I want baseball to do. I would be so pissed if they're just going to try and do business as usual whenever this thing can get up and going again. It's surprising that he's really 
talking about how creative they're going to be because he, he he really Finally. he really is is leaning into that that they are going to go outside the box. The dinosaurs are crawling. And they're actually maybe starting to walk instead of just crawl. I'm just afraid that he's setting an expectation for us to think that outside the box <laughs> oh, like something's going to happen, and it's really just not going to be that crazy. It's like, oh, we're we're playing 120 games, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Look how experimental we're being. Right. You know, it's going to be we're we're adding one extra player to the rosters and and it will be all five game series instead of seven game series and you know there'll be back-to-back days no off day like, i don't know it, i had a feeling it's just setting us up for a, a disappointing of conclusion although at the same time if they're playing baseball people will be happy we'll bitch about it after like a week or two once we've seen the baseball no, we'll bitch like about it immediately well, i'm sure we'll bitch about it beforehand but even more so after we see it a little bit more um but at least well, they're open things, to being creative. At least they're talking about being creative. So here are some things that I took from. So Ken Rosenthal wrote an article, and also just gathering from like Joel Sherman is tweeting about this. Jeff Passan was tweeting about different things that they've been hearing baseball discussing. Here are a few of them: split doubleheaders, but making the doubleheader game seven innings. That's how we do it on Sundays in the adult leagues, man. That's that's exactly the. That's scenario. radical, though. Yeah, that is radical, and I don't hate it. I don't like it either. Can we not shorten the games? I think what they need to do is shorten the amount of games, not the the length of the game. Okay. Uh, Removing All-Star Week. The product on the field on that day, on the day that those two teams are out there playing baseball, should be the same. But don't you think that if they schedule a bunch of doubleheaders, say they schedule one doubleheader or two doubleheaders a week, but okay, you get five extra players for those days, so rosters are expanded. Players are still going to be saying, they're going to be arguing that this is a wear and tear on my body. This is more risk for injury. We have to do something here. We have to reduce the number of innings or we have to do... No, they're just going to reduce travel. the number of games. And I think that's it. I think that's the, the that's it. So you then why do you... So if you're, gonna, if you're okay with cutting the number of games, just don't do the doubleheader thing then. Just exactly. Whole, that, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think you're still going to throw in doubleheaders here and there like they normally would anyway. But... Um, to, to still, because you want to get as many games in as possible. Well, you never throw in doubleheaders. You never schedule doubleheaders. Right, but they always happen. They Every single season, they they play doubleheaders. And they're going to happen again this year because if they will still be Because of the delays. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I still I think that in order to get a decent amount of games to, to have some type of conclusion that makes sense in some world, you have to have uh, you know as many as you can have. And I think throwing scheduling the the you know occasional doubleheader is not a not a bad thing. Well, according to Manfred, baseball fans, all baseball fans, love the 162 game uh, schedule. Yeah, our fans love it. We all love it. <laughs> uh, removing the All Star Week, duh, easy. Expanding rosters, we talked about extending the regular season into October, which I'm not a huge fan of, and expanding the number of playoff teams, which I would not hate for this year, because if you're gonna have fewer games. That means the field is going to be there's going to be more teams in playoff contention. You're not going to have the grind, right? You're not going to weed out all the teams that shouldn't be in the playoffs with 162. If you can only play 80 games, there's going to be more teams that are in the playoffs. Extend it. Half the team makes the league do a tournament. I'm okay with that. So, we actually got a mailbag question about that. Yeah. Um, let me because we're going to talk about it now. Let me just quickly uh, read it. It's from Andrew uh, Lucas Lucas at Andrew underscore. Lucas, <laughs> what's your suggestion for possible playoff expansion? Keep it the way it is or try something new this year for the shortened season. So what if they say seven teams in each league make the playoffs? You have your three division winners, 
they automatically advance to what will be the division series round. But you have four wild card teams, and they play one single elimination match against each other. Sort of like it's done in two days. the The first wild card team plays the fourth. The second wild card team plays the third, and then the winner of each advances. They play a one game, and then that team goes to the division series. I think that's okay. I mean, I think they're gonna ha- they're gonna have to have these these winner take all games, and they're gonna have to throw in more of them. I think for this to actually work, so uh, we're gonna have to have some concessions with that. Like I understand, I I don't like it because of baseball, but the things that you like or don't like about baseball. A lot of them have to be thrown out the window this year because it just doesn't apply. You have to. That would get be a hell of a things. lot of fun. That would be. It a, would be. It would be a lot awesome of awesome week. So what I was thinking was, and I was just looking up the uh, the exact format of this, but the WBC format, like you have a regular season of people of teams, and then you you fill out a, a tournament at, at the end of it with the people with the teams that advance, and you have a WBC World Baseball Classic style tournament, and that's how you get a winner. Yeah. How are the seeds made up? What are the number of games? Because I don't I don't remember. So the WBC has changed over the years as far as the different formats and how they've run it. And they all, they all do have like a qualifying round too, based on some of the teams that, you know, didn't get into the tournament beforehand. They have, they, they run their own double elimination round robin tournament to get qual to get into the, uh, the final 16 or the final 20, because they upped it to 20 teams this year for the WBC. So with 2021 WBC expanding to 20 games, the qualifying format changed. All 16 participants from 2017 get automatic bids and the qualifying round consists of a pair of 16 double elimination tournaments uh, and and then you get into the WBC. So the way that this could be the way that this could work is you have a shortened season whatever that looks like and you take the top 16 or 20 uh, and you get into this tournament and you start the tournament basically WBC standards because they've done this before. They've, they've kind of worked out some kinks and a lot of the rules. If you look at the WBC rules are, are in place to actually protect players because they usually play this before a season starts. It's in the, it's in March. It's leading up to a, it's guys spring training. So what you could do is say MLB can start playing games again in July. You have like a, a 40 game, qualifying season like let's just throw out all the normal terms we we have because this is not going to be a normal season right you have a qualifying season of of 40 to 50 games in july and august and the top 16 of the 30 teams in major league baseball advance to the the tournament this year whatever you want to call it the 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 corona tournament like maybe corona (laughs) beer can get in on some sponsorship okay and then in like september and october you play the corona tournament with these WBC rules, which are already in place, which are already tested, yeah, the, and, the and, format, and, and the bracketing, like the, pitch counts, the bracketing, they, they, they have pitch counts, out. 85 pitches per game in the qualifying rounds, it goes up to 95 in the championship rounds. Like a lot of these pitching counts, these pitching rules were to protect the players who already had MLB contracts. Like, they're but just that's because they're playing for teams. In spring. That's because you might get Garrett Cole playing for Team America, right? And the Yankees don't want Garrett Cole extending himself for something that doesn't. It, it's just interesting to me because we don't know when the season's going to start. We don't know how much preparation they're going to have to start the season. And let's say they do have some qualifying rounds like this and they went off of like a 2019 uh, standings of some sort. I don't know. Just for conversation's sake. They have things in place based on this format and the way that they've run this tournament in the past to actually help protect some of the players. So I, I think they could potentially lean on you know, this, this format in some capacity after a shortened season. And, you know, limit the amount of spring training, 
because they want to get as many of these games in, expand the rosters, get as many of these regular season quote games in um, that are that are part of the qualifying for this final tournament. And then you get into a WBC style tournament. So one other interesting thing that I saw from Jason Stark, he reported that if there is a shortened season of, let's just say, 80 games, you know what they are planning on doing? Just whatever game 81 was for teams, that's where they're picking up on the season because of travel that's already booked, hotels that are already booked, stadium dates that already have things that like, you know, Yankee Stadium might have a concert or X Stadium might have something else. So they are saying we wouldn't change any of that because of all those logistics. So remember we talked about, are they going to start with game one, game 80? Are they going to rework the schedule? But that doesn't make any sense if they're not playing, if they're playing in different ballparks. So like that's, 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 that's right, also that's a perfect if, scenario if everybody's allowed back in their home right. parks and fans are there and all of that. So, so I, yeah, which I this, don't see, which I don't see all being exactly the same. So some concerts you, are going to be, are, are going to be canceled. Some things are going to be canceled. Things are going to be shifted. Like they can't control what what else is going to be shifted around that, because everything else is going to be in the world is also going to be shifted around. So MLB well, just gave you like, think... well, you know what? We have this place booked. There's a right. concert that's probably not going to happen anymore or it's moved or whatever. So, but, so that's why I think it's in their best interest to just make it as different as possible rather than trying to make it as normal as possible. Does that make sense? It's fine, yeah. I think they, they just throw the word normal out and do what well, they have to do. You, to you don't try and have a regular season and try and have a playoffs and try and have a world series. If you can't have a legitimate one, I'm not saying legitimate 162, but I'm saying like an actual semblance of what a normal baseball season looks like. So you just use, you zig, you go 180 degrees in the other direction and you have a WBC Corona tournament. That's, that's, I mean, that's when I was talking, uh, you know, when I was talking over the uh, the, the week that we did the uh, previews, we we talked about changing it completely up. I mean, just completely up, and that's that's exactly yeah, what might be happening. They're like, let's not let's not act like this is the same because it's not the same. It's different. It's a different and thing. And guess you're what? You're still going to get revenue because people are going to go if they're not allowed. People are going to watch on TV. They're going to be streamed. They're going to be talked about. Everything, all that stuff. At the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, it's going to give you some type of winner or champion. It's just not yeah. going to be the same. It's going to be different. It's going to be, but it's going to be way different. Way different. Which is so good. different, so different that it's going to be marked. You're the champion of this year, not a World yep. Series champion. You're not even going to get a World Series championship. No. That's not even going to happen. You're going to you're get, not going to get that piece. You're going to get this tournament championship. It's going to be a new trophy. It's going to be a plastic trophy. It's going to be. Although fake. no coronavirus lives on plastic, so it's going to be a sterilized. It's going to be ice. It's going to be an ice sculpture. Dry ice. It's going to disappear. <laughs> All right. The next clip of Manfred is what a doomsday scenario looks like and what he hopes the season might be. Rob, I often say I'm optimistic because it costs the same. Uh, if you allow yourself to be hopeful as, as we talk right now and you look down the road at what, what you hope could happen in terms of a schedule, what, what does that look like? Understand you're not putting this in pen. It's just sort of what you hope might be. Yeah, look, my optimistic um, outlook is that at some point in May, we'll be gearing back up. Um, We'll have to make a determination depending on what the precise date is uh, as to how much of a preparation period um, we need, whether that preparation period is going to be done in the club's home cities or back in Florida and Arizona. And uh, again, I I think the goal um, would be to get to as many regular season games as possible and um, think creatively about how we can accomplish that goal. 
Nobody wants to think about the worst side, but this is what comes across your desk. Obviously, you'd have to consider the worst case doomsday scenario as well. Um, and I think we've all thought about it. I mean, what if this goes on for six months or something? And then and then what happens? What is what is a worst case look like? Is, is it a season with, without baseball, Rob? Obviously, we're not in control sure. of that worst-case scenario. I, I, I think that um, if, in fact, the situation with respect to the virus is such that it's not safe to resume play, whether it's in alternate sites, empty stadiums, whatever it is, um, we have to accept that as a reality. Um, you, you know, it would be a tremendous hardship. It'd be a hardship for our fans, be a hardship for our players, and, and you know, frankly, it'd be a huge economic hardship for our owners. All right, so he said he's optimistic that they can get back up sometime in May. That's best-case scenario. Get to as many regular season, season games as, as possible, blah, blah, blah. What I want to talk about is him saying that this is such a huge financial hardship for the owners. Oh, boo-hoo. You billionaires, you're going to lose a few million dollars. Don't forget that, too. He, that's exactly who he, he, uh, he, he's got <laughs> to go it, to. Dude, don't say it. Like We get it. We know these guys are going to be he losing answers to them. on the bottom line. But don't even sit there with a straight face and say, these rich-ass people are going to have a financial hardship because they're not. The Steinbrenners, John Henry, um, any other owner, Derek Jeter and his group, Look, they're, they're, not to they're say, all going to be fine. Not to be like going out and like side with any of these really high, highly paid rich billionaire guys that have had successful careers in other capacities and have gotten them to this point. There is, there's also, uh, you know, when you have that much money, you also spend a shit ton more money and you have a lot more of expenses. And when there's no revenue coming in, that is just a sieve. That is just, you're just like now all of a sudden you, but you you're not going to be paying to operate these games. Cause there's they're, no games going. A lot on. of these guys gonna... are paying their people still they're what they're doing. The right they thing. all donated a million dollars to this fund, but that's not, I, I guarantee you, they're not going to do that all season. My point is, is that. There's, they are still hemorrhaging cash. Like, there's no doubt about it. Not to say that we all need to sit here and have a pity party for them, but it is a consideration because they are the ones that have to pay the lease of these things. Still, they have to do all these other, uh, you know, things that that we don't care about because it doesn't affect us. Doesn't really, you know, not on our level. Money's still well, a lot of money coming out of their pockets. It's, it's a, you, my point is, it's, it's a consideration. It's a consideration. Fine. That we don't no care about. We just want baseball back. But it's a consideration for all the people that are trying to figure this whole thing out. Sure, but no one's going to feel bad for the owners. No one's going to feel bad for anyone with a big contract. Fine. A anyone who has made millions of dollars in their life, they can deal without some income for a yes, few Yes, you can take a hit. They can take a punch much better than a lot of people can. But then, not to even mention the minor league guys who might not get paid or the guys that were only going to be making a league minimum who are no longer having that income and haven't made it yet. But all the workers, all this, the people who depend on baseball, think about all the local businesses. Yeah, workers might get part of the fund if you were a concession worker at Yankee Stadium. But what if you owned a restaurant around Yankee Stadium? There's no doubt. I mean, you look at some of these towns in uh, the spring training areas, uh, you know, they depend on that traffic for spring training. They depend on the, on the people coming in to see these teams. And they're just, I mean, look, this, this is happening everywhere. It's not like, it's not like that's the only place there are, you know, uh, shelter and order places, orders all over the country right now where people can't go outside and they're, you know, only essential businesses are allowed to run. So it's happening out, way outside baseball. Like this is not just a baseball thing. So the last clip is about the, uh, Astros, the Red Sox and the cheating scandal. 
This was a challenging offseason for baseball before this came, and anything that would have been conversation that wasn't related to, say, Houston or Boston would have probably been welcomed. Obviously, this is not. But there is that piece to, to cover at some point, Rob, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask where baseball is with that sort of investigation into that because that story won't go away when baseball continues. Right. I mean, obviously, the, the, the Houston matter is done and over from right. our perspective. I mean, we rendered our decision. Um, you know, it's had a full airing in the public, um, which, you know, we fully expected. Um, Boston, we are done with the investigation. Uh, there's been a delay in terms of producing a written report just because I, frankly, have not had time to turn to it with the other issues. Understood. Uh, but we will get um, a Boston report out uh, before we resume play. Manfred said that uh, there's going to be an update on Boston, a report on Boston before the season resumes, whenever that may be. But he's just been busy with other stuff. Fine, I get it. What I want to talk about is if this is going to be letting the Astros specifically off the hook, the fact that we're not going to have a real season. Yes, it is. A thousand percent it's letting them off the hook in some capacity. Like, yeah, they're still going to get it when it comes back, but it's not going to be the same. Oh, like, no, it's going to be way dimmed down. Yeah, it's going to be... You're not going to care as much in September as right. you would have in April. The the hatred has definitely already died down. And, and that's just because there's so many other things happening right now that, yes, of course, this is, you know, as as, as effed up as it is, the Astros are loving this. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> because it, it's, it, it serves their cause to more than anybody. I mean, by far. Because they're by no far. longer the headline. They're no longer the headline. And there's a very good chance that there are not even going to be fans in the stands when we play baseball. Like, I think that's probably the best. I see that as the clearest path to getting back. Yep. And yeah, and then that, when they, fans they are eventually let back in the stands in 2021, yeah, the Astros are still going to get booed, but it is going to be 75% less than they would have in April. And We're going to need some year. real pent-up aggression. We're going to need a lot of people out there making content and spreading it around all over social media of why we re remember why we hate the, the Astros. For I mean, honestly, the Astros will probably do something horrific again that makes us that all dumb. hate them over yeah. all over again, but it's, it's going to be, yeah, I think it definitely helps them out and we'll see what comes out about this Boston report. When I talked to Chad Jennings in the Red Sox preview, he's basically suggested that what the Red Sox were caught doing might be, have might have been done by many teams around baseball. And if that's the case, baseball needs to be very careful about how they punish the Red Sox. Which would because not surprise they, either one of us, I think, that we've talked about that. Like that, no, I, I think a lot of what, they, what the Red Sox did is probably all through baseball. Yeah. So you, the Red Sox will be punished, which I get. But I bet the punishment is going to be very uh, dimmed down because baseball knows there's a real possibility that the Cubs, the Yankees the Indians, the Dodgers, the Marlins will come out and all that stuff that we're doing the same thing as the Red Sox. And then what do you do about those teams? You're going to, you're going to fire their managers, especially after what's, what's been going on with this whole thing. And we're having a shortened season and all that. They want to, they want to, at this point, at this point, they want to like really deflect off of all of that stuff and yeah. just focus on what's going to happen on the field. If they can get back on the field. That's um, why I kind of, you and I disagreed on this, but when I, found out that no players were getting suspended. It made sense in my mind because it's a slippery slope. Well, yeah, I mean, it is a slippery slope. There's no doubt. But I'm not, I don't think that – I think when the Astros case is different, that's why. It was different than what we're talking about here. It's different because of 
the egregious acts that they did. And those You're players saying that, were but do you very think- much, very much made had a decision to make and made it. But don't you think most people, the general public would say, say Carlos Correa and Altuve and Bregman got suspended. And then the Red Sox punishment comes out and J.D. Martinez doesn't get suspended. Xander Bargas doesn't get suspended. All those guys don't get suspended. People are going to be pissed. They would be pissed. I mean, they could be pissed, but it's if they don't understand how different the two the two cases are, then that's on them, because there's a very <laughs> clear there's a very clear distinguishing difference between the two of them, uh, very big. Yeah, something I was just realizing too, just not to like go back to a different conversation, but I'm gonna go back to a different conversation. The W uh, the WBC Classic or the World Baseball Classic, <laughs> the, the not World the WBC Classic. Classic. <laughs> it's not the CC. Uh, the next one is next year, so. Yeah. What do you see about That's that? Gonna, they're going to have to delay that. Are they? Or is this like the world coming to play baseball again after this whole thing? I well, I think see, it depends. I could see a, a big, lo- a big, big, big thing around it. A lot of it depends on what happens this year as far as how long they play. If they play into deep November, I don't think they're going to have the WBC next spring. So let me ask you this. What if we get to like July, August? This thing is not like they're maybe talking about whatever. Maybe they just cancel... Maybe they're like, you know what? We're not doing the MLB. The season is not happening. Let's just move the 2021 WBC to 2020 fall. Have that tournament. Do you, so everyone and the, so the Yankees don't put a team on the field, but Yankees the USA, go, no, we USA have a WBC. A it's a USA team, and they play somewhere where things are more sterile. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't really give a shit. I'm just saying. You <laughs> I'd would. Watch. You would watch. You I'd would wa- definitely I'd watch, watch but I wouldn't care. They would. They would probably get the highest ratings ever. But that's the circumstance. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Throwing things you out could there. Put, 2021. You could put, if that you thing could is put scheduled, a curling match on ESPN right now, and the thing's going to get high ratings. But that thing, yeah. But you have like a whole. You have the the nations behind it after this whole like global pandemic. Like, there's a lot of considerations. So, okay, you so have a I 2021 WBC. That seems like an easy tournament to move up if. All, if if uh, doomsday happens and you're not able to get the MLB season back on track. Another thing that Ken Rosenthal wrote about, suggested, is that the season could kick off with the All-Star game. Who, who cares? Why would you waste a couple days playing an All-Star game if you could play baseball? Just play baseball. Don't right. play All-Star game. Yeah, people want to watch their teams, not the All-Star team. And how are you going to vote on that all-star team? Just most popular player? Okay, great. Woohoo! <laughs> It'll be an MLB stupid. The Show tournament. That's stupid. Let's do some r- Look, rundown. We're all throwing out ideas, all right? They're ideas. Well, that's a shitty idea by Ken <laughs> uh, Brogspinstripes.com rundown. Some great articles being posted over there. Go check it out. Uh, new articles every day. One I want to talk about by Nick Kirby, who is co-host of George's Box. He wrote an article... In appreciation of Gary Sheffield, who hit 291, 383, 515 in three seasons with the Yankees. Very good numbers, but he is not fondly remembered. What are your feelings towards Gary Sheffield? Well, shout out to the uh, to Kirby for, for Nick for writing this. Um, the 161 boys just had Sheffield's kid on their podcast coming up. So check that out. Gary Sheffield Jr. Um, is going to be out there. I'm sure they'll be talking a lot about Gary Sheffield. What do I remember about Gary Sheffield? I, I liked the Gary Sheffield era. I thought Gary Sheffield was one of those guys that, and I know there was a decision, Gary Sheffield, Vlad Guerrero, like there was that, that whole thing going on. Yeah, who do you think made that decision? And I, and I really wanted, I know who made that decision. Answer I, the question. I, who do I think made that decision? No, who, who made the decision? Steinbrenner. Gary, yeah. 
Um, Gotta love the boss, though. <laughs> but, but, Didn't but, listen to Brian Cashman and signed Vlad Guerrero. Instead, signed Gary Sheffield. When I see two of those players, when I think about both of those players, I think they were probably one of two of the more feared players because of what you know. They were just electric with the, the Gary Sheffield with his stance and the bat. He would just murder the ball, and so would Vlad Guerrero. One was a much better player than the other. Um, but I yeah, know, I think people I don't forget if... about what they did. But I still think he was a good player. No, no, I'm not even going to say Vlad Guerrero was a much better player than Gary Sheffield. If you look at Gary Sheffield's career, he has Hall of Fame numbers. He's probably not going to get into the Hall of Fame because of steroid allegations. And also the fact that he played for so many teams and a lot of times that indicates that he's not the most well-liked guy. And a lot of writers vote for you if they like you. And if they don't like you, they're not going to vote for you. Albert Bell, another guy that will probably never make it because of that. You look at his numbers and they're right there. I think the Gary Sheffield, that signing among many other signings but that represented everything i dislike about that era of yankees baseball it's the overreaction signing versus the let's plan and build a good team for the next few years kind of move and i i feel like that's what garrett sheffield was also the fact that he was on the team that collapsed in the playoffs year after year despite his good numbers but i think the thing that really was pissed he a lot of three years was it three years and then he was hurt for two yeah. Four, five, six. Yeah. And then I believe in 2007, he was hurt. Yeah, he had a wrist injury. I remember the wrist injury knocked him out for a while. Um, but, I, I mean, mean it, that, he, was, he was a dominant player. Like, he was yes, a, he was. He was a scary player. Yes, yes, he was. I mean, fantastic numbers. In a 2007 interview, and I think this is probably what pissed a lot of Yankees fans off, Sheffield said that Joe Torre treated black players differently, and he called that he, he said Torre used to call him and other black players out in front of teammates. And then he also said Jeter wasn't all the way black. It's an actual quote he said. Yeah, no, yeah, I remember that. A lot of, I mean, you can't just, you just can't say anything about Jeter. Just can't. I don't, it doesn't, so, it's not even like, what is that? I don't even know what that is. It's just, well, that's just, uh, it's well, just a dumb it, comment about something. Well, as yes. the interviewer said, well, you know, their best player is black. And he said, who? And, and the interviewer, Derek Jeter, he said, no, he ain't all the way black, was his exact <laughs> response. So Gary Sheffield did not exactly leave town gracefully. But yeah, go check out that article. Uh, statistically speaking, he was a successful signing. But obviously, there's more more to it than that. The next article I want to talk about is from Nick Colucci. It's top five Yankees-inspired movies and TV shows you can stream during quarantine. And the number five, Everyone's Hero, which is animated. You've seen this, right? Did you watch this with Kemp? Yeah. This. So this is the one. Is this the one that I'm thinking of? The no, this is not the one. This no. is a different one. This is the other one. The one I am talking about was, um, hold on. I'm making sure. No, it's no, he- something about sure Henry. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, so then I. I this is a different one. I've never even heard of this one. Yeah, now I'm looking at it. Truth be told. Everyone's I, Hero uh, is number five. Pride of the Yankees, number four. I would not put it on this list. The Babe, number three. Would not put it on this list. The Bronx is Burning. And then 61, which we have reviewed. And do you know that people criticize us for our 61 review? They thought we didn't like the movie. I don't remember what we said in the review. What was that, two years ago, three years ago? It was a long time ago. <laughs> I, I really liked the movie. Yeah. And, and I think you did too. We, were t- we got critical. Of it the acting. Like, no, it wasn't the acting. It wasn't anything to do with the movie. And we were like, if this is accurate, why, like, why didn't Mickey Mantle come to... Uh, Roger Maris's defense more. Right. Remember we were talking about that? 
And like because it, because of the the movie talked about how their relationship was so good when he moved to Queens and moved in yeah. with Maris and all that. Yeah. yeah, why he didn't defend him? Because I yeah, I mean, why didn't I think he defend were... him to like the media and the public? Because Maris was getting criticized so much. If the Mick comes out and defends him publicly, right, 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 Well, right. guess what? Yeah, that was your. I remember now. On... Now that you're saying this, I remember you talking about that. Yeah, and I just think it was just not his personality. He was just no. very passive. You're right, but so that's what we were like theorizing about. Because if Mickey Mantle had said something, people would have listened. You're right. That probably would have been the case, and he didn't. And you know, that's just more his personality. And he was probably just drunk. Um, the, so so this, the the animated movie is different. The one I'm thinking about is is definitely. Uh, which one did you watch? It's it, it was. I gotta tell you, it, it got me. It got me. I mean, I was like, I was like a, a buffoon through the entire movie. Hold on, I'm looking it up with the wrong keyboard. I'm looking it up because it's, it's <laughs> the premise of the movie was about a, a little kid who was in the hospital and went and like a guardian angel named Henry. Talk, took him through this whole thing uh, and when he went and was with you know he went into Yankee Stadium and like saw these guys play yes. and like they pitched and uh, Henry was Lou Gehrig Henry he, was Lou Gehrig the entire time and the kid ended up being okay but he's in the hospital so obviously if anybody here knows like Kemp was born with a heart condition and we were in the hospital for a little while so Bevan and I not understanding what we were getting ourselves into I was like oh yeah somebody a couple people had recommended this movie we were looking for something to do we put it on I was just a freaking bawling disaster throughout the entire movie. I couldn't even look at it. It's called Henry and Me. Henry and Me, yeah. I mean, I had no idea what it was. About. I had no idea what was it about until we started it. I'm like, whoa. Uh, Richard Gere was a uh, There were a lot of people Angel? in it. There were a lot of people in it. Um, what's his a name Gordon started a- it? He a- actually directed it. The guy who's uh, in charge of a lot of the Yankees PR stuff. Um Oh, I can't think so a guardian angel takes a gravely ill boy on a magical journey to meet legendary players from the New York Yankees, both past and present. It kind of sounds like, um, what's that movie? What's that cartoon? Scrooge. Oh yeah. Like, it kind of, it is, it is very similar to that. Only it's not Christmas. It's really just going. Yeah. Baseball. He's in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. A Chad Palmateri was one of them. Danny Aiello, Cindy Lauper. Uh, there were a lot of names. Hank Steinbrenner. Was actually, uh, I think he was the voice of the boss, because this oh, really? was made in 2014. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it was an interesting so, movie. I mean, it was like there were some interest. There were some. It was good, you know, to some respects. <laughs> it just wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> so this goes into quarantine corner, which is, I guess, what we're doing and watching in quarantine. And have you finished the Curb Your Enthusiasm season? And hold on, let me finish the, my thoughts on here. All of the Yankees in that movie were played themselves. So Hank Steinbrenner was as George Steinbrenner, but Reggie Jackson was in it as himself. Swisher, Yogi was in it. Matsui, Michael Kay, Gerard. Swisher made the cut. Rivera. Oh yeah, he was outspoken in it, of course. Bernie, Posada, um, David Mantle, which I assume is Mickey Mantle's kid, was Mickey Mantle. Tashera was in it. John Sterling was in it. Bob Shepard was in it. Cece was in it. Well, Bob Shepard was dead at that time. But he was the announcer. Uh, Curtis Granderson in it. Goose Gossage. Nancy Newman was one of the nurse. Mickey Rivers was himself. And Kevin Long was in it as himself as well. Oh, yeah. Kevin Long. So (laughs) Yankee um, legend. (laughs) Hitting coach for a few years. Yeah, a lot of of big names in that movie. I, I probably had a dry eye for like 30 seconds, maybe. Bevan and I couldn't even look at each other. (laughs) <laughs> it was it was pathetic. And this was a while ago, so Kemp probably didn't even realize what was going on. 
yeah he had no idea he was just he was applauding when anybody was on the field like doing anything he literally <laughs> i have a video of him standing up oh no that was the joe tory uh, movie that we did he was, <laughs> he was he was standing up applauding. how did that not make the list of top five things to right stream? yeah because that's one of the worst movies ever made yeah. all right you ready to move on to quarantine corner now yeah until i see something else yes have you finished curb your enthusiasm season the new season no i have not oh uh, okay so this kind of ruins i have not seen last about. last week uh, there's only uh, yeah, i don't know i think how i only have are. maybe one or two that i haven't seen the most recent one was the finale. Okay, I have not it's, seen the finale. It was called The Spite Store. So maybe we'll, I'll let you watch it and then we can review the whole season next week. Yeah, let's do that because I do need to see the rest of them. Fantastic I think the, the last one, I mean, it was very good. It was very good. So far, the ones I've seen have been very good. Um, but I think the last one is The Spite Store. They're, like, they're sending, uh, what's his name? Was it, Ted Danson's in it now and they're going back and forth. Yeah, no, you, then you haven't seen the last one. It's yeah, it's really funny. Um, what else are you doing? What else are you watching? What else am I watching? We just started watching Ozark. Ozark from the, the beginning. Ozarks. No, I've we've the new season. Yeah, the new we had season. Seen we the first st- I started seasons. that yesterday too. I like the show. It's a good show. I think. I think it's, it's a it's pretty it's like crazy. A, it's like a Breaking Bad type show. Yeah, yeah, that's a good good comparison. Um, but it's a it's it's a, so this season I don't know we've we've I think we're into like four four or five episodes right now so. We're watching it relatively quickly. Um, what else? I just saw, dude. I gotta say, everybody's all over this Tiger, yeah, Tiger King. Yeah. I watched I like three episodes of it. I'm like, eh. So it's definitely ridiculous, and there's really funny moments. But I think the only reason this thing went so viral is because of the quarantine. It's not a good documentary. It's 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 just crazy. So I think it's because crazy. it's crazy. Yes, of course it's crazy. It's this. <laughs> It's but after the fourth, a, after the fourth episode, it's like the owner same. who owns giant tigers who's trying to put a hit out on some crazy lady from Florida. Yeah, it's crazy. I think after the four episodes of me watching it, it was like it, it started just being repetitive and like, eh, like I don't know. Well, so there's I, just I so many characters in it that it's 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 wild. I think that it's a it's a it's a product of the fact that everyone is delu- going delusional and stuck inside and they're like, Oh, this it's thing a character a we can all can. talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's something that's crazy and it's out there. And, um, yeah, so it was fine. I just, it, it didn't get my, my full attention also. So I think half of it was me just like, you know, on Twitter yeah. and watching the movie at the same time. So I really wasn't giving it the full attention. <laughs> so yeah, next week we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the spite store, um, season finale curb curb season finale. Ratings and reviews. We got a few more this week, and I appreciate all of them that came through. Shout out to A. Suling, A S E U L I N G. Shout out to Nelly Neller Nell. Thank you to Greg Fuke, Fuke, and Lee Jones for all of the ratings and reviews. If you have not done so, go to whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, give us a five star rating and review, and. Scott might get teared up about how much he appreciates it since we know you're susceptible to getting emotional. It's true. As I get older, it gets way worse. It gets way worse. I don't, even know, what, I don't even know what would happen if I watched Rudy right now. <laughs> Not, I've never seen it. What's wrong with you? Maybe I'll watch it. I have time. Just go watch it. Is it's it good, on something? Ex- I'm sure it is. It's extremely inspiring. Vince Vaughn's in it too. Uh, some mailbag questions before we end the show. Cody Colorado at... Cody, Colorado. How many games must MLB play this season for the World Series champ to be considered legit? And the reason I bring up this question is because Mariano Rivera did an interview 
And he said, I don't think you can play 60 games and call yourself a champion. Not a World Series champion. But yeah. you can call yourself a tournament champion. That's it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't know What's what the, the do magic you have a number? number is. Do you have an... 80, 80, 82. I think it has to be at least 50% of a season. Yeah. Of a real season. That's my first, my first instinct is to go to just over half. At the same time, I'm going to treat it like any other championship. If the Yankees play, if there's a 40 game tournament to get into the playoffs and then the Yankees win, and it's, it's going to be fun. The World Series, I'm going to love the hell out of it. So it's going to be fun. I think if they do this and this thing does happen and they end up coming back and it's from July on, whatever, however this thing looks, it's going to be obviously a short season. It's going to feel like almost, uh, you know, every game now has a lot more meaning. Uh, yeah. So you're That's almost I like an NBA, baseball is like an NBA season, season almost. Yeah, so it's it's going to be very interesting. And it's going to be, I think it'll be exciting. I think there's going to be a lot of energy and excitement around whatever does come back uh, as long as it comes back. So, um, Andrew Campbell says, hey guys, big time, long time. In the spirit of reminiscing about baseball history as an alternative to actual baseball being here, what is the most fun that you can remember having while being on the ball field? For instance, other than some walk-off hits or diving catches, I remember going nuts while I was in the on-deck circle while one of my teammates and best friends in high school had a game-winning hit for us to win the States. What are your guys' personal baseball memories? Um, so, I mean, I th- honestly... What, I don't know. What did you... Did you play high school? Did, boy, like, when did you stop playing? I, well, I stopped playing in high school. I stopped playing my sophomore year, actually. Uh, I just didn't play baseball anymore. I, my arm was jacked up. I couldn't even get through a practice. It hurt. Uh, I have a bad elbow. It still hurts. I still can't hit like a... You probably need Tommy John surgery. I, I do. I do need Tommy John surgery. It's gotten... It's gone in and out and, you know, I can't even hit like a, a backhand. I used to play a lot of tennis and racquetball and I can't even hit a backhand now because of the... Uh, just the shooting pain that goes on my arm. But that being said... When I was out of college, or I think my last year of college, I started playing summer league ball, and we we had a team uh, called the Norfolk Black Sox. I went to Old Dominion in Norfolk, Virginia, and I was uh, we played for four or five years, and it was a bunch of us, a bunch of the guys that played uh, at different colleges. One guy played at Louisville, another guy played at Western Texas, uh, a couple other uh, one in Arkansas. It was a just a, a, a mishmash of guys which we all met. And we all became very, very good friends and, uh, and just had, like had a really tight knit group. And it was Sundays. You played double headers every Sunday, seven games, the NABA national adult baseball association. And, uh, we were the Norfolk black Sox, and, you know, it was probably the most fun I've ever had playing baseball just because we were a bunch of idiots and, you know, we were all, we all would go out the night before and it was yeah, just, everyone's it was just it. so much fun. You're, you're playing, there's competition, but no one's taking it like life or death. So oh, it was up. life and death. That's not true. It, when you're on the field, it was dead serious because okay. you had rivalries with other teams. Uh, we, had a, we had a rivalry with a team called the Pitbulls, Padrino's Pitbulls. Uh, the first one, that was a, it was a uh, Puerto Rican store, a, a restaurant. And this guy, uh, Pedro, or, uh, not Pedro, um, oh, I can't think of his name. He, he and I would, we had a little bit of a rival. We would always talk a bunch of shit. We're still, we're friends on social media today but um it was a big deal it was a rivalry man like we had big rivalries and we were kind of that ragtag team that had some talent that that you know could just like all of a sudden like spike and do really well or we were really hung over and we could get our asses kicked i've told the story about where i played first base one day and i was drinking vodka to- or vodka uh, red bull vodkas in the parking lot and i had to pull myself out in the middle of a game in the middle of the first inning because i couldn't see the ball well, yeah i dropped to- i dropped two balls like they hit my glove at first base 
and I removed myself from the game because I couldn't that, see the ball. That's the thing. Playing baseball drunk is really difficult because yeah. it's all hand-eye coordination. <laughs> we that's had, one of the first thing to go is when you're drunk. We had uh, we just had a really fun time on the field, and uh, you know, just so that was some of my my. I mean, like these, we would we would bowl in the dugout, like just everything was very loose. People would wear wigs to go up to the bat. At bat. It was just uh, dumb and fun and just very raw baseball, and it was it was awesome. One of the crazier memories I have from high school, I played in high school and that's the last I played. So you know how when you go to the eye doctor, you get your eyes dilated yeah, and your vision is going to be blurry. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I went to the eye doctor in the afternoon and we had like a, like a three or four o'clock game or something like that. So I was still able to make the game. And when you're, this was, I think freshman or sophomore year of, of high school, the coach was like required to play everyone on the team. So I told him, I was like, I had my eyes dilated. Like, I'm not going to be able to see the ball. Don't put me in. I'm just here to sit on the bench today. doesn't matter. He put me in. I got up to bat. I couldn't see shit. And I was just like, how am I going to do this? Everything is just blurry. And the first like swing I had just, I don't know. I don't even, I think I swung, but like I, there was no point to swinging. And then the next pitch, I basically just swung when I thought the ball was coming and I hit a double in the gap. And I remember getting to second base and just being like, all right, that, that's the peak of my, my <laughs> baseball performance is hitting a ball where I, I can't even see the pitcher, never mind the baseball. Uh, Brandon Drury got to the major leagues doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I could have been Brandon Drury if I wasn't blind. It's pretty crazy when you think about how eye injuries uh, can affect what you do and then seeing how far he got without really like telling people and like getting to, it's wild. But his was headache related. Wasn't it was, it? yeah, but it had like tunnel vision. Yeah, but it affected the sight. He had migraines. It wasn't like, a, it's not even a correct, it wasn't in like, a, oh, I just need contacts. Yeah, but no, I think, I think sometimes when you have bad vision, they can create migraines. Right. So they're, they're, you know, you could have migraines and you're, you can't see as well because your head hurts and you're, it's like light is a problem or you have something going on with your eyes and it's creating migraines. So I don't know which is which or which is the, uh, the cart before the horse, but still either way, hard to see, hmm. hard to think. Yeah. I don't know. We never, like my team was never very good. My high school wasn't very good. Yeah. So we never. We never did anything special as far as like, there's no memorable big wins. I don't think we ever were in a position to win anything big. I pitched an eighth grade championship complete game with a fractured wrist. Fractured, fractured throwing wrist? Yeah, I had like a brace on it and I took it off and pitched. It was like you know, one of those hairline fractures. That's why I don't like, I don't really why believe in hairline that? fractures because we, we needed someone to pitch and I was good then. And that's probably why my elbow hurts because I threw. I, say. I pitched like every day, and my and I would be throwing sliders and curveballs. Pitchers weren't on because pitch my counts then? coach taught me how to do it. No, no, no. I mean, I don't remember. I don't know. I threw a lot. That's. I mean, I, I definitely think it stemmed from a lot of that. I threw a lot when I was in middle school. Um, but yeah. Well, thank you for the mailbag questions, everyone. Also, a reminder to call up the voicemail line and leave your stories six four six four eight zero zero three four two. I something I just realized compiling those this week. What? Yes. But something I just realized about that is, um, Andrew Campbell actually sent us a message saying about this and we got to fix this. We got to figure out an alternative method. Uh, the out of left field moments that our voicemail line cuts you off in a minute. Does it really? Apparently. 
So didn't used to. There have been ha- some half voicemails. <laughs> not full stories. Well, that's re- not going to work. I just realized that. Yeah. Go into your settings and change it. I mean, I don't think I could change it. There's nothing to change. Nothing to change. Maybe it was two minutes. Yeah. It was some. It was a shortened version of. I got to look at it. We, we might have to open up a different type of voicemail. <laughs> okay, great. Anything else? No, that's it. If there are any other problems anybody knows about, let us know. Sometimes we're very oblivious to these problems. I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy out there and definitely enjoying the extra episodes that we're doing. I think we've done more episodes since baseball shut down than we had planned prior to baseball season getting underway. Yeah, there's nothing else to do. So we're getting on the microphone and talking. Probably talk to you again soon. Probably. Bye. Later. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.